Hey, my name is Zach, and this is the Plaid Jacket Philosopher, the podcast for tradespeople and the blue-collar middle class. I'm open to punch a few holes in the stereotypes that surround blue-collar workers and hopefully share a lot of the stories behind how we got into our line of work and the honest joy you can get from working outside of the office space. The plan is to mix in interviews as well as some solo stories from job sites, fatherhood, and personal experiences that led me to where I am today. Some will be funny, some will be personal, but hopefully any and all content here can help broaden what your opinion is of the blue-collar middle class. All right, everybody, welcome back for another week. And this week I've got on a guest again, finally. I'm finally doing another interview between moving provinces, starting a new job, and well, right now being out of town, but that works well because I finally have time to myself. But um, welcome, Mike, to the podcast. Mike, if you'd like to introduce yourself, I'm, uh, I'm excited for this talk. Uh, thanks, Zach. I'm thrilled to be here, finally. Uh, we've probably gone over what felt like a hundred different topics we could have talked about, and I think we finally hit one that uh, we've both got some experience and uh, some similarities in. But uh, my name is Mike Westfeld, uh, 47 years old, live in Edmonton, Alberta, Sherwood Park, east of Edmonton, actually, born and raised Winnipeg, Manitoba. I am the father to four daughters, uh, two are my own, two are my stepdaughters. I've uh, been married for about almost six years now. And um, yeah, I work in the rail industry. I'm lucky that I work in a smaller portion of the rail industry where I actually only work half a year, but I still make 84 hours every two weeks. So um, the hours are long and hard, but I know that uh, I can dedicate at least half my year to a, my personal life, which lets me do things like this and be with my family. So. Awesome. Well, thanks for coming on. Yeah, you're right. We do have a lot of similarities, but uh, one key difference is I have four boys. <laughs> yeah, four yeah, girls. <laughs> yeah, I cannot imagine. Like, oh well, we'll get into that today, I'm sure. But uh, yeah, you know what you even said about work there too. It's amazing because I used to used to do shift work underground, and we started as a three week on, three week off shift, and then it moved to a two week on, two week off. Uh, this was primarily before I had kids, although I went back when we did have kids as well for a little bit just to pay for house down payment. But uh, yeah, it is nice to have that six months of the year off, even though it's kind of broken up into chunks like that. It's uh, yeah. we actually got used to that work schedule. It worked out pretty well right now. I'm uh, it's a little bit haywire because the oil industry is really trying to kickstart itself back to life here pretty quickly. So it's been, it's been wild. I'm on along for the ride and I'm enjoying it so far, but uh, right on. good for you. Well, welcome to Alberta, brother. It's good to have yeah. you here. We'll have to get together sometime. Yeah, absolutely. We're, uh, you know, it's funny. Uh, this is a total tangent from the the podcast episode, but I, uh, it's funny because I feel so much more relaxed and like at home in Alberta, if that makes any sense. And like, sure. <laughs> it's been tough to kind of, I don't know, work up that that passion, you know, a little bit of anger sometimes just to get on here and, and talk about something that's bugging me because quite frankly, a lot less bugs me out here. So it's for been, sure. it's been a, a unique challenge with the podcast, but yeah, thank you for having me. I, we're loving it here. Um, right on, man. Yeah. And I figured, so today we can kind of talk, it, it works out well with timing, but uh, for father's day, we can talk about, you know, the role of men and fathers. And like you said, we have a lot in common on this topic. So I figure why not? Like this is a, a perfect discussion to have and it's kind of poignant as far as timing goes. Sounds good to me, brother. Yeah. So basically I don't know, I don't know where we should start. Like if you want to, um, you know, was there any, what did you learn to do from your father or, you know, maybe things that you learned not to do or what, what type of relationship did you have? That's uh, that's a good question. It's the relationship I have with my dad now compared to the relationship I had with my dad growing up are two completely different things. Mm -hmm. Um, my dad was a very mechanical and hands-on guy. My dad's passion has been cars, always was cars, always is cars. Um, he, he taught auto body as a profession for 35 plus years back mm -hmm. home in Manitoba. And, um, you know, it was pretty amazing to see what he could do. Um, but that wasn't my passion either at that time either. So we didn't have that connecting common ground that say some boys have with their dads when they grow up. So my dad was a very, very ruled with an iron fist type mm -hmm. of man too. Um, so we didn't always see eye to eye on a lot of things. I, I rebelled a lot in my younger years and um, 
through a lot of different hardships and through a lot of life experiences and that and we were able to find some common ground and, and now we're really really close like very close like I'm I'm really proud to say that my dad is probably one of my best if not my best friend mm-hmm. and um, it's really great to have that connection with him and looking back you know you really start and being a father now myself it really kind of puts it into perspective what how he was trying to be a dad in a lot of different ways like you know there's a saying that they always you always get from your parents like you just wait till you have kids of your own and then you'll understand what it's like being a parent and you go yeah 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 sure whatever and then you end up having kids of your own if you're so lucky and you go oh wow, that, that makes perfect sense. He was absolutely right this whole time. <laughs> I get it because I can see glimpses of myself in, in my own kids. Like the apple doesn't always fall far from the tree. Yeah. And I know for a fact, he saw glimpses of himself and me. So I think what I learned from that and took from that was that find common ground with your kids, like find what they're passionate about, what they're interested in, you know, being the father of girls you know, there isn't always the same thing. I'm lucky in the sense that say, you know, with football season comes around, the girls want to cheer on football with dad and have fun little bets and play bets with him and root against dad. And that. So we get to have that and that's fun. Um, but they like, they differ so much from my oldest daughter loves, you know, um, things like F1 formula one racing and she's very academic in school and has different interests in terms of different types of music. Whereas another one of our girls, she's very much into dancing and that has become her passion. Our other daughter likes soccer and dancing and a variety of different things. So it's trying to become interested in what it is that they like and rooting them on and supporting them in those, in those ways, because at the end of the day, they just want to know that they matter. Mm-hmm. They just want to know they exist, if anything. And they want to know that you're paying attention. They want yeah. to know that you're, it's one thing to be, you know, if I go to the soccer field, watching my one daughter play a soccer game and the whole time I'm sitting on my phone. Well, what is that telling her? Yeah. That's just telling her like, you're just, you're here. Cause you got to be here. You're not here. Cause you're invested. You're not here. Cause you care. You're not here because you value what it is I'm doing right now. You're just, you're here because you got me a ride here and back. You know, you have to be here. So I think it's really important to you actually genuinely invest yourself in what it is they're doing and, you know, support them and encourage them and and help them through it whenever they have questions. I could not agree more. And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that, like with the differing interests with kids, because I remember when I was younger, I always just kind of assumed that it was like nurture over nature when it comes to, to kids, you know, like you've got four kids raising the same household with the same parents, they're generally going to turn out the same yeah. <laughs> and boy yeah, was really I are. wrong like like oh, when I sure yeah like like now that we've got four you know they're so they're drastically different obviously ours are uh younger than yours so ours are 10 6 4 and 2 so I don't really know the interests of the two-year-old yet right I just know that he likes to break things climb on things you know that kind of stuff yep. he's a boy right so yep. um but but yeah what you said it's it's so true like I I know our oldest for example he's extremely artistic and I, he loves doing that. He likes building things, making crafts. He likes, he likes all that stuff. Our second, our second child who's six, it's scary. Like, and what you mentioned about, you know, seeing things, your father saw you in him for sure. When he, when uh, you were younger, like it's terrifying. Cause I see so much of me and my six-year-old that it's almost scary (laughs) because it's like, you know, he's obsessed. He's obsessed with building uh, Lego or models. He's very mechanical with his hands. And he's, he's also obsessed with history. Like, you know, maybe, maybe this isn't the best thing to say as a, as a parent, but you know, like he's, he's watched a lot of the war movies. He, anytime he, he wants to get a book, he picks up. uh, What was it recently? Uh, Oh yeah. We, he went to the, he went to the scholastic book fair or whatever. This was actually back in BC, but he, uh, we gave him 10 bucks to pick out a book and he comes back with uh, escaping Chernobyl. (laughs) Wow. As a six year old. (laughs) And we're like, what are you doing? Like there's all these picture books. Yeah. So he wanted me to read that to him. Right. It's like, uh, it was like a kid's novel, but it's really funny because he's obsessed with history. So it's, uh, it's interesting seeing that in your kids. And, you know, like you had said with your dad, I guess mine was a little bit different because I went through kind of like the rough patch with my dad when I was I don't know, between eight and I want to say 14, 15. And then yep. 
you know, I was like, yeah, we, we didn't get along very well. And then uh, there's a lot of turmoil with, you know, parents divorce and everything. And then after that, like I was, you know, I was want, ready to quit school, didn't want to go anymore. And he said, look, get into the apprenticeship program, work for me. And then, uh, you know, we'll go from there. And it worked out so well because he did tell me specifically that he didn't want me to be one of those, like the boss's kids. You can see me doing air quotes, but just those kids who yeah. are like handed <laughs> everything and they don't, uh, you know, they, they don't really value that. They kind of get all the princess jobs on site just because they're related to the owner. But I remember him telling me, he's like, essentially, you're not going to be doing anything that you could be standing for, for your first two years. So it was like crawling through crawl spaces, crawling through attics, like drilling mm -hmm. holes, like, you know, um, and at the time, like I was really angry, <laughs> like looking back on it, like it drove me nuts. Like, but now, now that I'm older, you know, this was, I don't know if that would have been 18 years ago. Now I'm so thankful for that. Just getting that, uh, like that value of working your way up through something and actually persevering through the, the beginning steps, the hard steps, and then, then working your way up to, to accomplishing something better. I think, I think that lesson has served me so well throughout life. And I'm, I'm thankful to my dad for that. And now like, you know, I, I have the same kind of relationship that you do. Like I would consider him probably my best friend. Like I, I'll talk to him yeah. about anything. I can tell him anything, ask him questions about, you know, regarding parenting or regarding, you know, finances, work, anything like I'll, I'll go to him yeah. first. And uh, that's pretty cool because I think, and I, I kind of got the same lessons passed down to me. Like he was interested in the things I liked. And now I'm, I'm trying to do that with my kids too. Even if it's something that you know, personally, I may not be that interested in, like, I'm, I'm yep. not artistic at all, <laughs> but you yep. know, for, for my kids, it's like, Oh, that's awesome. Like I'll, I'll participate in that, but it, that's really interesting. I, yeah. I, I think we have a lot in common there. And, uh, you know, you also mentioned this too, which I, I found affected me a lot too, but you know, how did, how did becoming a father change you? Like not just the way that you viewed your past relationship with your dad or your parents, but how did becoming a father change you? Uh, kind of at a core level. Well, you and I are probably going to have some interesting different takes on this because, you know, I've always been the father to girls mm -hmm. and, you know, having girls will change you as a man, big time. Right. I, I believe you know? it. And like big time, like, you know, you know, the, the, a friend of mine a few years back had a little boy you know, and jokingly says, well, yeah, now I got to worry about this. You know, his words were, oh, great. Now I got to worry about this little pecker running around, you know, and he has laughing I'm like, buddy, buddy, I have girls. <laughs> I have to worry about every, <laughs> every, every little pecker guy running around. <laughs> exactly. Right. Yeah, Everyone exactly. running around. Like, exactly. And that, that was the running joke. And, you know, um, I have, you know, I had a lot of bad relationships um, and, 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 getting along with girls was either too easy or not good. Like it just always settled for the wrong one mm -hmm. troublemakers and, and lots of issues and problems and had a pretty negative outlook admittedly towards, towards women for a long time and you know, towards like relationships too. And yeah, everything. absolutely. Yeah. Relationships like yeah. through my daughter, my father's failed marriage um, through my failed marriage. Um, and um all of a sudden, you know, I remember when my daughter was born and her mom had had a C-section and was recuperating and uh, in another room for about three hours. And it was just me and my daughter for about three hours. And I was just blown away, you know, and it hits you a lot different. Like now you're responsible for this, this, not just this little person, but for me, it was this little girl. And it really changes you because you really start to think now I really got to watch my P's and Q's and I, you know, I want to raise this, this little girl, right. The, the negative aspects that I had, which let's be honest, were all based on ego and pride, mm -hmm. right. And not getting over myself in the moment. And at the time, all of that, I can't pass that down along to her and allow that to be the guiding force to shape her into the young woman that she's going to become someday. I yeah, can't, especially not when you're like, the male role model, like who, you know, who kind of forms her opinion of, of men in general. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Now my attitude is, and then I had my second daughter and then I met my wife now who I had two girls of her own, you mm -hmm. know? So I was, well, you know, you don't double down on that challenge. <laughs> so, 
you know, my thought now is it's, you know, and it's not to take anything away from, from my stepdaughter's father, right? Mm-hmm. He plays an important role and it's important that they know and that I confess to them that I'm not here to replace your dad. Yeah. You know, I'm here to compliment your dad. I'm here to assist your dad and your mom in the way that we'd like to see you guys be brought up. I'm going to care for you, but I'm not replacing anybody. I'm just complimenting what you already have. Right. And it works out well that way. But my mindset as a father, having girls is, you know, may I be the example by which they're going to judge all other men. Mm-hmm. So that, that is handled in the way that I handle the people that I deal with on the street. That just, that's my character and everything that is me in everyday situations. And it's especially how I treat them and their friends, their mom. Um, it's how I treat my daughter's mom. They're my ex mm-hmm. in situations, you know, there might be political drama and that behind the scenes, but it's not for them to see that, right? That's still their mom at the end of the day. And I owe them the responsibility to treat her with respect. Any issues she or and I have don't come into the relationship that I have with my daughters. It's not a, it's not a piss and match. It's not a competition. It's not a, it's not a battle to, to, to win over the affection and the love of one parent over the other. It should never be that way. Sadly, that exists sometimes in the real world. Oh, yeah. But it's important that they don't get dragged into that. So it's really, it's all about being the example. Yeah. And I, I think that's, that's so powerful. And again, like that's something that, yeah, like we'll differ from or we'll differ a little bit that way, because again, like I'm not you know, I'm not setting the example of who my sons are going to be, you know, kind of meeting in life. I'm more trying to set the example of what I would like them to be and hopefully instill some values into them, um, which yeah. again, you're doing too, but it, it's just a little bit of a different angle. But uh, before I get into that, like what you had just said too about, you know, treating your ex-wife with respect and, you know, dealing with issues away from your daughters. Like I remember, and I think that's incredible. Like I have a couple of friends who, who are, you know, they aren't with their, uh, their child's mother anymore. And yeah. I've, I've stressed to them, like the importance of that too, to keeping it out of the relationship with the kids, because my, you know, when my parents divorced, like it was the polar opposite, like it was hell on earth. Anytime they were in the same room together and it, Oh, it ruined me. Like I, absolutely. I remember, and I had, you know, that was kind of my same apprehension to ever getting in a serious relationship myself. Like I had, you know, it's funny because my wife who is incredible, but my wife was talking to my siblings, my sisters, when, when we first started dating. And then especially after we got engaged and they were like, Oh, we didn't think Zach was ever going to get married. Like, cause that's what I had said. Like, I was like, I don't ever want to get married. I've seen what marriage does and what happens when it falls apart that I don't ever want to be, take any part in that. Like it looks yeah. horrible. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I uh, met my wife and that changed in an instant, but it's um, yeah, it's funny. It's funny how long, like, you know, those, those situations can really impact you. And I think that's incredible that you, that you're mindful of that because I can tell you from, the receiving end on the other side of that, like it will, it messes you up. It messes your prospects for relationships. It messes everything up for a long, long time. So I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was the same thing for me. It's, you know, that you hit the nail on the head there and we, we share that there too. My parents separation, I was 17. Mm-hmm. I was entering a crucial year of my, of my, of my time. Yeah. Like I was entering manhood, right. Yeah. At 18 years old. And the world that I knew fell apart. Now they didn't have the greatest marriage. They fought a lot. They argued. But it was such a, it was such a complicated, nasty, dirty divorce, and the, us kids got caught up in the in between it all. That it, it really scars you. Like oh, it yeah. scars you. Excuse me. It it affects the way you look at relationships, other people. Um, you know, it affects the way that you look at them. The last thing you want to be, like, the church we were a part of at the time, they really didn't know how to handle the situation either. And they basically sat us kids down and said, well, who do you want to live with your mom or your dad? And it's like, I understand they didn't know how to handle this situation, but I'm 17 and I have a brother who's 15, another brother who was 13. And I had a sister who was eight at mm-hmm. the time. That's a hard question to answer because in reality, from the, at that age, you feel like you're being asked, well, what parent do I love more? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's, that's a hard thing. And that's a hard thing to answer. So 
no child should ever be put in that situation ever. It's, it's not up to the kids. And I don't blame anyone or anything for this. It was a real difficult situation for everybody involved, but it definitely complicated the matters and definitely scarred, I think, a lot of things of, of how I ended up looking at a lot of things going forward from there. Like, absolutely for you too, right? And yeah, but, you, know, you know, keep your head above water. You know, you overcome a lot of things. And here I am today, miles, miles, miles from the man I was 30 years ago when that all happened. And, uh, you know, by the grace of God and, and everything else and those who supported me along the way. But you're absolutely right. Like, I can relate to you on that one there too. And it's important to me, knowing what I went through in my family went through back then, that that doesn't get passed on to my girls. You know, that all they should ever feel is love. You know, it's not your fault that we didn't work. You know, it shouldn't involve you guys at all. No. And you know what? It's funny what you just said there. I, I echoed almost the exact same words. So what you said is how it should not, it cannot be passed on to your kids, to the next generation. And uh, I had, you know, again, like it's been a complicated relationship with, you know, both my parents at different times. Right. Like, cause it it all fluctuates, right. It's, it's life. It's dirty. It's messy. But anyway, um, I remember specifically, uh, it was at my brother's graduation. So this would have been, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Uh, it's probably, probably eight years ago now, but, uh, but I remember I had met my wife. And so, and again, my, my oldest is my stepson. He, we met when he was two. So that's right. You guys are a blended family too. That's awesome. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Our, our oldest, my, my wife had him before we met, but, um, but yeah. And I remember because, Anyway, we were at my brother's graduation and one of my parents, um, the, the drama started up again right away. Right. And this was oh, pretty, man. pretty early on when, when me and, uh, my wife, Shannon got together and, you know, our, our son's there. And I, I remember I, I finally, I kind of hit that breaking point. And I think even though technically like I hadn't, you know, been a part of a birth yet, like our, se- our second son hadn't been born yet. Like, and I, I do think that there was a, almost a different awakening at that point too. Like had you, how you talked about when you had your first daughter and you held her in your arms for the first time there, it's, it fundamentally changes everything about a person. I think uh, at least it did for me. And it obviously did for you too. But I remember finally losing my mind on my one parent and I, we drove for about 45 minutes. It was just, I think it was a constant stream of like just yelling from, from my end. And, but it was, it was 18 years of history all boiling out in 45 minutes. Right. And it's what, you know, there were two realizations. It was one. And I specifically said that I said, whatever goes on, like this is not getting passed on to my kids. And that was, again, Good like I, I was taking ownership for, for my, my two-year-old son at that point. And it was also the fact that, you know, my brother, his entire life for 18 years, he's been subject to this, to this tension for 18 years. And it kind of culminated at his graduation. I realized I said, his entire life has been this like, and then, you know, since then it's been markedly better, uh, but it, it takes, I don't think that I would have had even the fortitude to, to kind of stand up for it and kind of put my foot down in that situation without having kids. Like, like, like how this yep. question kind of started with, with thanks. Yeah. But like, how did becoming a father change you? And to me, like it, it changed everything. Like, like you said, like, there's no way to put into words to anybody who hasn't had kids, like what that feeling is when you hold them for the first, the first minute of their life, there's no way to put that into words. You just have to experience it. Um, but yeah, like it was a sense of, you know, I had greater meaning in, in work. I found a greater meaning in, you know, what my actions are between like interactions with other people, because I knew now people were watching and I'm responsible for them. And, again, like the biggest one came down to work. Like I remember when I was younger, you know, it's like, like anybody, you get a bit of like play money and then you're like, ah, I don't have to worry about work. I can call in sick. I can do whatever. Right. And then, you know, it's like, I kind of want a long weekend this weekend. I'm feeling a little bit sick. It's Friday. But, um, but after having kids, like it, it just, it didn't matter. I didn't even find that I would get pissed off at work anymore. Like on, uh, you know, on a tough day, everybody's got them, but it's like, why am I doing this? It's like, uh, you know, I'm doing this for more than myself. Like there's so much more meaning behind why I'm doing what I'm doing, who I'm providing for. It just, it changed my perspective on everything. And, and mainly like a lot of that came down to, you know, kind of shouldering that load of being the provider, the protector, like, and I take that really seriously. And it's something that I still try to take seriously. I imagine you're probably in the same boat. Absolutely. No, yeah. that's a great way. You know, a way that I think about it here 
you know, I think what we could agree on this is that bad things happen to good people. Sometimes Mm -hmm. You, you, you can't always avoid that, but, and it might very well be the reason why we live the lives we do and why we do the things we do. But the thing is, it can't be an excuse, right? Yep. You make the choice to make that be an excuse. Like, you know, I didn't have a good relationship with my dad. My mom didn't like me. I was in abusive relationships all my time. Like, It's so easy nowadays to play that victim mentality and that victim role. And, and society has made it so easy for people. Oh, well, poor you. Well, I was going to say, yeah. it's, it's turned into a societal virtue at this point. Absolutely. Like, it's, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's, it's virtue signaling. It's like, <laughs> oh, yeah. oh well, it, now we're going to have a day for these people and these people and these people. And, and, and it's like, yes, I understand that bad things happen to good people, but you have the free will. You have to make the choice to allow that to affect you tomorrow and the day after that and the day after that. Or, you know, you can tie up your shoelaces, you can dust yourself off and say, no, this doesn't happen anymore. I can be somebody different. Something bad happened to me and that's unfortunate. And maybe I didn't deserve it, but there's definitely a lesson to be learned here along the way. And it should, and it can make me stronger tomorrow. Yeah. And absolutely. It, and you don't have to like, you know, like you said, like everybody runs into circumstances like that, but you don't have to let that bad moment, that bad thing define you. And I think yeah. so many people, you know, it, it, like it's just, you're absolutely right. Like I, and I think that a lot of people do fall into that trap. They get defined by it, which then, and you know, if you, if you let that happen, like, I mean, this is totally off the tangent of fathers, but um, you know, if you let that happen, like it just grows envy and resentment. And I don't think there's anything worse than that because then you look around at all these people. Well, you know, what happened bad to me didn't happen to that person. It's like, well, maybe something terrible happened to them too, but they just don't carry it like that. Like they, you know, like I, it just, I don't know. So much of today seems to be rooted in envy and resentment. And I think that, yeah, if something yeah. bad happens to you and you're going to define yourself by that moment, then you're always going to be looking around at other people and saying, well, I have it so much worse than them. I've had it so much worse. And you don't know what other people are, are carrying around on their shoulders as well. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, I'm preaching to the choir, brother. Like I, <laughs> I mean, true. I was, I was, I mean, I was the biggest, I played the biggest victim mentality out there for the longest time and no self-confidence in myself, no self-respect. I went down a lot of dark paths along that way and I did a very, very good job at hiding it. But, you know, so many people make hardships. They take the reason for their hardship, but they turn it into an excuse. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's where the mistake comes. And that's where guys like you, when you stood up, like you said, no, no more. Right. And you said, no, this isn't going to go on. This isn't going to get passed on to my kids. This isn't going to, this ends here. This ends now. This doesn't keep going on. And I saw that too. And when I went, my wife, who's also named Shannon, by the way. Oh, um, well, yeah. And there's another, there's another similarity. Yeah. Um, she, she took a big chance with me because she was a very, very defined and accomplished woman when we, when we met, when mm-hmm. we got together and the way that she words it, she saw potential in me that hadn't been recognized, you know? And when we talked about stuff like my face, my, my chin was tucked into my chest, low self-esteem brother, like low self-esteem. And she told me, no, no head up, chest out, be proud of yourself. Okay. Just own it, fall on that sword. And repetitious behavior like that you know and 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 having somebody believe in you in your corner like that that does a lot of things for you you know and that really that really picks you up and builds you up and i'm very blessed that that i had that opportunity and in seeing that i recognize like no 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 this victim mentality bullshit ends now like this isn't the way to live this isn't this isn't who i am this isn't who i was called to be Yep, some bad things happened in my lifestyle and um, in my life. And some of those things I probably deserve. And some of them I probably brought on myself. But it's not going to be my excuse. And it's yeah. this is, and this is where it ends now. And and it's it's really important to take that leadership and to protect your kids and your family and, and yourself yep. from and acknowledging you, that. Yeah. And it's funny, you know, you're kind of rolling into a perfect segue of what I wanted to talk about next. But it, it's funny what you had mentioned there. Like I... I felt the same way. I find that, you know, if you're in a good relationship, like I find that women refine men, like, is, do you know what I mean? Like, like I know that with my wife, it was the same thing. Like I was, 
you know, when I met her, I was working out of town. Like I was, I was a bit of a, I was a bit of a wild man. Like, I don't know. I just, I, I didn't have anything, anything to kind of not anchor me down. Cause that sounds like it's a negative term. I don't mean it negatively, but anything to kind of like, I didn't have a foundation to build on. I was just right. running around. Right. And then, and then when I met my wife, it was just, it was different. Like she, I, she refined me. She gave me something to build on. She gave me that entire foundation. And like, without her, I, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be where I am today. I wouldn't have the mindset I have today. There's no way that I, you know, I, I, I don't know. I honestly, I can't even picture where I'd be today without her, but it's funny that you had had the same, um, kind of the same experience because yeah, I find that my wife refined me, uh, to such an incredible degree. I, and then, you know, rolling into kind of, and one of the things too, sorry, before I, before I lose this train of thought, but one of them, um, was just like, I'm, I'm pretty hesitant to change. I don't like any type of chaos. <laughs> yeah. Like I, I really don't. And, you know, even, even this move that we made and just, you know, taking a chance, taking a leap like that, that's the strength of my wife a hundred percent, because I mean, yes, it, it took both of us to oh, make yeah. it happen, but, but she's the only reason it happened. Like I, I don't have that same, that same kind of, I don't know that, that fortitude to do that, to make that change. And, but she does. And without her, there's no way I could have done it. There's no way we could have done it. Um, but it's, yeah, it's pretty incredible how, when you get a good partner, it, it doesn't just, you know, it seems like it's a, an exponential equation because both people grow so much more than, you know, than they were on their own. And, you know, we yeah. can roll that into, into what the role of husbands are too. Cause that's, I had that next in my, in one of my talking points anyway, For but, sure. I think you, t- you touched on it perfectly with, there with being, you know, a protector, a provider, what, what have you, but I'll, I'll let you go on with that. Yeah. Well, pr- protect, provide, preside. I mean, that's, that's three of the big key notes for masculinity right there, you know, like, mm-hmm. and, and there's a, that ties in to what it is like the, the family, the way you and I define it, a husband and a wife and kids for some reason, there's people that feel that's taboo nowadays. Oh, and nucle- I mean, the nuclear family, is the, the nuclear devil. family, right. It's, it's the know? devil. <laughs> it, it, yeah. It's the devil. We're, we're just against everything that that's out there. Yep. Right. We're just against everything that everyone wants. And the, the fact of the matter is that's a real small percentage of people. It's just because it gets so much coverage and acknowledgement and, 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 and attention that, you know, that's why it seems like it's bigger than it really is. Mm-hmm. Um, being a husband, being a father is probably one of the most important things I do, but being a husband is right up there too, especially, you know, for my wife, um, you know, we, we were talking about this not long. We don't complete each other, but we complement each other yep. and it shouldn't take somebody else coming to your life to complete you as a human being. It's, it's a real sweet term. I mean, like it sounds, it's like I am complete. And it's like, no, you're not because you're still going to grow and you're going to grow even more so now because you're on a journey with someone else. Totally. You know, and, and that's, this is someone that is at your right hand side and you, you're going to share a lot of common ground with, or at least you should be sharing a lot of common ground with yeah, in, a, in a good functional relationship. In yeah. a good functional. Well, at the same time, you should have enough differences that it really expands your thought process and who you are as a person, mm-hmm. but we don't complete each other. We complement each other. And you know, when we first met, I mean, our story is a funny one because, you know, I was sick and tired of just the whole relationship thing. And I knew that I was just like, I am just setting myself with the wrong people all the time. There's either baggage or, you know, daddy issues, or there's this, or there's that, or the troublemakers. And, um, which, I mean, everyone has their problems, but I and again, like, you you're, know what? you're not denying your part in that either. Like, you oh, know, no, exactly. Exactly. Right? Like, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, a wise man once said, you know, a man has to conquer himself before he can conquer, ever conquer the heart of a woman. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of truth to that. There's yeah. a lot of truth to that. And I knew I was like, you know what? I just, I would love, I remember how I said it to myself. And I mean, it, I would love to just be with a woman, like a real woman, someone who is accomplished, you know, has made something of themselves, knows what they want in life, has a good head on their shoulders. And it's, I called it like my shallow Hal moment. Like there's the movie Shallow Hal where, you know, he was blind to the world, what he saw around. All he saw was the inner beauty of that. And my wife 
is beautiful in all aspects in all possible ways. Like there's, you know, and who she is makes her even more beautiful. And um, I just remember we met on Tinder of all places. And I had been on Tinder for 30 minutes and we can, <laughs> and we connected and I sent her a, a message. I said, Hey, I think you got a really nice smile. Have a great weekend. You know, I guess cast an allure into the, into the pond to see what would happen, you know? Oh, it's and funny. Then, That's a perfect analogy. Cause me and my wife met on plenty of fish. So sorry, go on. There, yeah, <laughs> yeah. There you go. yeah. So, you know, and then she messaged back and uh, she's like, Hey, um, I don't want to sound too forward or nothing, but uh, do you, would you like to, you know, get together for a coffee or a drink this evening? And I'm like, you know what? I'm just coming off my last day shift, you know, and working in the rail yard and in a refinery. It's not the cleanest of environments. I'm, I'm going to be really dirty. I'm not going to be. She's like, I'm coming to meet you. I'm not coming to meet an outfit. And I was like, oh, that really stood out as a response. You know, that was no kidding. That was, that was good. Good for you. You have my attention now. So, Okay. So we agreed to meet at this restaurant called Fargo's, which is an absolute dive here in Edmonton, <laughs> but there's nobody there. And I was like, yeah, okay. So I pull into the parking lot and I wait and I knew, could tell it was her that had pulled in and she walked in and I said, okay, here we go. So I walk in and we had admitted to each other later that when we looked at each other from across, when I came through the door and she was at the table, she waved towards me. I waved towards and we both, thought to each other thought in our own heads like no way there's no way there's no possible way this is gonna like this is just a meet and greet for an hour hi how are you have a good time Mm -hmm. and um we got to talking and you know an hour later she kissed me across the table and a year to the day we got married so there was enough difference and there was a lot of difference between who we were but what we did for each other and how we complimented each other as two people really is what connected us together. And as we've had a lot of hardships along the way, it hasn't been easy. You know, it, it hasn't been easy. Everything we seem to do is zero to 120. You know, yep. there's, there's, there's this, we're, we're all in ride or die. And we've always been like that. And there's been some hardships along the way, but where we are today is, like that's it you know people always can say like oh they're the one no she's the one Mm -hmm. and and it's it's the way that we act as people and it's we look at a lot of the relationships around us of people we know and it's real evident to us that sometimes those the things that we share are missing in a lot of the other relationships that we see you know like we make it really important that we serve each other you know, it, in, the, in, in the back of my mind is, you know, if I have the, the worst day at work, when I get home, it doesn't matter about that. You know, I need to shift gears. When I come home, the, being a husband, being a dad, that's my full-time job. Oh. The, work I do, the work I do right now, that just makes money, pays the bills, puts the roof over her head, right? Yep. That, that helps me. That helps. But being a husband, being a dad, that's, that's my full-time job. And, you know, I work in an industry and I'm sure you do too, you know, this blue collar industry where I know so many guys that just, they refer to life as their old lady or the ball and chain and this and that, and never have anything nice to say. It's like, what a miserable life. Like, and part of me goes like, it's either really big talk for the boys or, you know, you're really pretty miserable. And I can only imagine how she feels about you. Yeah. But I, I could never imagine, you know, describing my wife like that. Like we never speak ill about each other to people who don't know us. Yeah. You know, if we have dirty laundry, we air that out with each other. Like that's, 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 we air that out with each other. You know, we strive real hard not to go to bed mad. Um, we, we lay it all out on the table. We communicate. That's the most important thing I think you can do is and constructively communicate with each other, you know, you spend yep. that much time with somebody and you get to know somebody that much, they're going to see the best of you and they're going to come real fast to understand the worst of you too. You know, they're going to see your bad habits. They're going to see things that you, that you, that aren't your best sides and your best qualities. And you, you know, you it's sign funny. up for it. Oh yeah. But before you carry on, I just wanted to interject too, is that 
It's funny because that was something my wife had said to me actually. And you know, uh, your timeline again, it's, it's funny how much we have in common again, (laughs) meeting, meeting our wives online, first of all. Um, and then, you know, we were married. What was our timeline? Okay. So we would have met July, 2014 and we were married April, 2015. So yeah, like nine months, right? Like nine months from first meeting to married. Right. And it's the same thing. Like, I just know she's the one like it's not she's not a one she is the one and um, it's funny what you said though because she she even said to me she's like yeah within like three weeks like I just I knew she's like every other person and like you said you get to know the good and the bad of everybody because everybody's got it right and uh, but she said yeah I realized that you know there wasn't any of your bad that I couldn't put up with. She's like, everybody else I've ever dated has just annoyed the shit out of me. And so I, I kind of laugh when you said that because it's so true, but even, even looking back what you said about you guys complimenting, complimenting each other, not completing each other. I think that's so key. And one of the things that um, my wife and I had talked about a lot when we were engaged and kind of leading up to being married. And, you know, we still talk about it from time and time again, it's just, it's not something that we need to remind ourselves of, but we still, you know, complacency is a killer in relationships, right? Yep. And and for us, you know, we always want to kind of, it's not a bad fear, but it's, you always want to know that, like, you know, there, you should be afraid of losing that person. It, you should have that desire, that drive to keep trying to impress them, right? Like, you know, it's the same idea with still dating after you're married still you know keeping a bit of that excitement and that chase in a relationship right and I just I think that the way you put that was was really well and I wanted to echo that yeah my wife and I actually specifically talked about that before we got married and it's still something that we talk about from time to time again and uh, another thing too is about not going to bed mad and compartmentalizing work because I'm very good at that like even you know, up here, like, you know, I'm away from the family. I'm working a 21 day stint. And again, it's the same thing. Like I don't, you know, I like electrical, but I don't, I don't love it. It's not the passion of my life. Right. But it's my passion is my family is my kids. So this facilitates and takes care of them, takes care of us. Right. So, but yeah, when I'm, when I'm done work, even if it's a hard day, which this last, you know, three days have been pretty, pretty mentally draining, but, uh, but, you know, I'll, I'll FaceTime the kids and I'm not going to pass that on to them. You know, they, they had no part in that. They don't need to be subject to me being, you know, grumpy from work. It's I'm yeah. here. It's dad time. Like, let's talk. I want to hear all about your day. We'll talk about everything. Like, it's so important to me, too. And I, I, I yeah, I couldn't agree more with you. Yeah, you got to know when to switch gears, you know, and you got to be able to turn that off. Like, it's that's just it. Like, and you, you get it there, too. This is uh, especially for you at this age. They're so young. They're so impressionable, right? They're mm-hmm. so vulnerable. And all they want is your time and your attention. And I mean, be it on a Zoom call, be it FaceTime, be it on a phone call, be it in person. They just want to know they have your undivided time and attention, you know? Yep. You know, as dads, I think we have, you know, real two really key roles, you know, when it comes to raising sons and daughters. Our sons, when we raise them, you know, they want to know, like, do I have what it takes? Mm. You know, that's, I think, of all the things a son needs to learn from their father. Looking back at me when I was young, it's like, I just wanted to know, do I have what it takes? And do you think I have what it takes? Right. Do you, that is, do you approve of me to a sense? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Am I doing it right? Am I going to get it? And I'm like, are you proud of me? Yeah. And that's so, 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 so influential for young men yeah. and young boys as they, as they grow up through life, right. That confidence and that constant, that, that, that hammering in and that reminding you have what it takes. Mm-hmm. I believe in you, right? Like a, a baby takes its first steps and they fall down after a couple of steps, you know, how would it feel, you know, if a father went, you idiot. Yeah. Or you laughed know? at and you or whatever. laughed at you or made you ha loser, you know, or yep. if they rooted you on, right. You know, and and I'm paraphrasing this from a pastor who is like, you know, because, you know, after that comes three steps and after that comes four steps and after that comes five steps and you celebrate the milestones and the accomplishments along the way, mm-hmm. you're going to build, they're going to build them up. You're going to build confidence. You're going to build identity. You're going to build integrity, accountability, right? Raising daughters, daughters want to know, am I lovely? Am I pretty? Right? 
You know, am I beautiful? And because it's really, really important, you know, for me as a dad that I tell them in the way a father should that, you know, that they have value, that they're so pretty, you know, that they're, they're, they're intellectual and precious. They're very, very special because it's important to know in this world that the wolf is always knocking at the door. I was just going to say that, that they, they could very easily become prey too. Right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. My dad didn't give me any attention, but this guy does. Well, this guy could be the biggest sleaze bag around. Right. You know, I want my daughters to have the confidence when some guy comes up and says, you're really pretty. And I want them to be like, yeah, I know my dad tells me that every day. Yeah. Right. So yeah, I already know you better. Yeah. Bring something else to the table here. (laughs) Bring something else to the table. You better have some character and accountability because my dad's going to be able to smell that out on you in a heartbeat, you know? So it's really important to know that. And that the same thing you said about, you know, you know, your wife and, and then the marriages that we have is that, you know, being, you should always be afraid of losing them, but you should always be confident enough in the fact too, to know that, you know, they see that same thing in you too. Like the wolf is always knocking at the door, right? People don't mess up in marriages until they're given an opportunity to mess up in the marriage. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, and yeah, sure. It's an excuse and yeah, it's a choice, but those opportunities usually don't happen unless something comes along that presents that opportunity for them to do that. And that's why, you know, yeah, as husbands, as fathers, we've always got to be on guard. You know, we've got to make sure that it's not about me, but it's about what I can do for them. Yeah, absolutely. I, I completely agree. And it's it's funny what you had talked talked back about, you know, about raising daughters and then raising sons. Like I remember, and you probably had the same experience, but there's nothing worse to hear than, you know, I'm disappointed. Like you can yeah. take, you can take, <laughs> I'm angry at you. I'm pissed off at you. Like you can take all kinds of, all kinds of berated beration that way. Like as far as, you know, when you mess up and, you know, if you anger your dad, eh, it's not a big deal. It's kind of part of rebelling anyway. But if you hear disappointed, that is, that goes straight to the soul like that. And, yeah. you know, it's, it's true. It's because it's exactly what you're saying. And I, I try to do the same thing. And I, you know, to try to remind the boys that I'm proud of them, that I'm, that, you know, they're capable, they're, they're able to do what they put their minds yeah. to. And, uh, but yeah, it, it speaks to exactly what you said. Like the worst thing you want to do is not to be, you know, not to get that approval to, to disappoint your, your father. Yeah. And I think it's important to be completely transparent and honest with them though, too, that absolutely it's okay. It's okay to see disappointment. Right. And, you know, so many people too, they want to, they want to hide the word failure. Failure is huge in the development as you go along. Right. Mm -hmm. Failure doesn't mean Having failed doesn't mean you're a failure. When you give up on it altogether, now you're a failure, Yeah. right? It, failing is part of the life lesson. Failure is part of the get up and try it again, do it again. And it's okay too to say, you know what? I was really disappointed in you because I expect more of you. But when you make it tangible for them to understand the disappointment because they see what it is that you see and expect in them, mm-hmm. you're actually leaving them on a high note. Because you're telling them in that, that I believe in you more than what you think you're capable of doing. Mm-hmm. And it really builds them up. It makes them see that they still have purpose that, yeah, okay, they disappointed you. Maybe an apology is necessary. Maybe they got to restructure the way they're looking at or doing something. But they will see that they still have purpose, that they still have value in your eyes, that they still matter. And that's, that's key. That's key is leave them on the high, identify the low, but leave them on the high, always leave them on the high. Absolutely. And I mean, you know, like you had talked about, like a failure is often like the absolute best teaching point you can possibly have. Cause now you've clearly identified a way not to ever do it again. Right. And, yep. and it's the same thing with disappointment too, right? Like, like you said, it is, it's honesty. Like you have to be honest with your kids too. And you know, if they do something that really, it, you know, you can't approve of it, then yeah, it it makes sense. I mean, like, like I said, like the reason why it hits so deep is because anytime that my dad did say that to me, and it wasn't very often, but like, I knew that I really had to pay attention to this. It brought focus right in on that moment on where I had screwed up. And it was, again, it's a teaching point, like you had said, but he was able to, you know, focus it. And then again, he taught from it, but he, he would leave me on a high point, but 
anytime that I heard that it I'd zeroed in my focus on like, okay, like I have definitely messed up. Like this is a good teaching moment. Didn't feel like that at the time, but again, you know, hindsight's 2020, you can always, uh, yeah, it's like when you, it's like you had mentioned at the beginning of this conversation, but once you become a father, you realize so many of these lessons that you were taught back when you were younger. And all of a sudden they have a brand new meaning. It's like, it's like getting a 360 degree view on this moment when you used to only have, you know, 180 degrees, you couldn't see the whole lesson involved in that. But as soon as you're a parent, right. you can look back and you just have, have way better, a way better yes. viewpoint to stand from. Absolutely. If you left your kid on a low note, like if all you, if all your kid ever heard was I'm disappointed in you, I'm disappointed in you, you disappointed me. And you walked away. Do you think your kid's going to want to just come to you with anything to have be a good or bad? Yeah. Ever, no. At any time. Right. You're just going to shut that door. Yeah. And you know what you I, that is somewhere, you know, that that kid, that child is going to seek approval wherever they can find it. Yeah. And more often than not, it comes in a very, very, very negative way. Mm-hmm. It's a reason I think why you see so many of the problems we have today in society with these kids that are well, they're doing unthinkable things nowadays, you know, like, I mean, we're going on a, on a bit of a tangent here, but we've had those recent school shootings in Texas, right? Now, I don't have all the details and I don't know everything that there is about it. And you can't trust everything that you hear on TV, but somewhere, somewhere along the way, society failed that kid. Oh yeah. Yeah. Society failed, failed there. Right. Like, and you know, Call it a lack of fatherly love. Call it a lack of fatherly discipline. You know, somewhere along the way, society, society failed, Mm -hmm. you know. And when we see these kids join gangs and we see these kids turn into drugs and we see these kids just making bad decisions, you know, male and female, you know, there's something that's be said there that why are they so starved for this attention? Well, there's such a correlation. Yeah. And there's yeah. such a correlation between, you know, fatherless homes and, you know, and just, I mean, from income levels to education levels to, to again, like uh, criminal records, like there's such an affiliation Absolutely. with, with fatherless homes. And, you know, like, again, like, I, I don't know how to explain it. I've tried to say it in, in other episodes too, when I talk about being a father, but like, it's a heavy load. Like, you know, that too, like, it's a heavy responsibility. You have to, you have to accept that for what it is and shoulder it, but there is nothing more rewarding in life. Like I, I, I can't think of anything, like nothing I've ever accomplished at work comes close to, you know, seeing my kids run home or when I'm coming home from work and I see the kids lined up at the front window waving. Like there's yeah. nothing, nothing oh, that matches sure. that feeling, you know, when yeah. they're actually excited to see you and, you know, it, it's just that little boost, like, you know, like you're all right, I'm doing something right. Because, you know, especially with kids and I, you know, as your, your daughters are older and I'm sure that as my kids get older, it'll become a more and more thankless job. <laughs> for oh, It for- comes more thankless, but you still want that. You still want that acknowledgement, brother. Like you still oh, yeah. want to know, like, like I still sometimes I just want, I just want to know I'm doing a good job. I yep. just want to know that I'm doing a good job. Right. Yeah. And you'll see the telltale signs like that waving in the window when dad pulls up in the driveway, man, that is a sign. Like mm-hmm. that is a, like, like that is a like job. Well done, dad job. Well done. Right. Yep. You've made your mark and you, and you keep that going. Right. Yep. And that's just, that's just it. Like you, you just want to know you're doing a job well done. You know, yep. I don't know how many times I have cried myself to sleep at night as a single dad, just wondering, you know, am I doing a good enough job? Am I getting this right? You know, like, you know, our oldest daughter graduated this past week, grade nine. And seeing the young woman, she is now at 14 and, and what she's capable and who she is and how she thinks and, and what she does. It just, you know, there was a brief moment there where I felt like I could exhale, you know, it was mm-hmm. like, okay, you know, I've done all right. Mm-hmm. I've done all right. I'm getting this. Now's not my time. Now's not the time to take the foot off the gas. Either, right. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right? Like, yeah. like we're not, we're not out of the woods. We still got a few more years before I can, you know, set her off on her own. And even then I'm only a phone call away or a text away from help. Right. Yeah. But it's, um, there was a brief period there moment where I felt like I could exhale for a second, just be like, yeah, you got this, you got this. 
Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, it's such a remarkable feeling. I, I know that I'll have that one of these days as they get older. It's uh, but yeah, it's cool. Like again, even when it's a thankless job, like you can still see those signs, right. That all right. You're yeah. doing all right. Or, you know, whatever, but, and now this again is a little bit of a tangent, but I think it's applicable um, because, you know, we've, uh, we were even texting about this too, um, but the attack on masculinity on the nuclear family on men in general and on you know now like let's be frank like it's shifting it's shifting a lot to women too right like and yep. you know i've read i've read and heard uh people talk about this too but it's it's an interesting concept and it seems to hold water to me but you know first the attack was on masculinity and that got degraded quite a bit and we see that a lot now in society right where any trait of being protective or of, you know, ownership or, you know, whatever. And I don't mean ownership in a relationship sense. I just mean in taking ownership of your own rights, of your family's well-being, of your family's position in life. Like you own that as a father. And that's been eroded so much so. And it almost seems like, and again, this was a commentary that I was reading, but that the attack on the kind of male figure, the father figure, came before the attack on women to try to get that protective layer out of the way. And it's mm-hmm. been, I've been thinking about it a lot over the past couple of weeks because it, it's interesting the way that happened, right? First you get kind of that masculine protective figure out of the way. And now that they're out of the way, you know, you, it's free reign. You can, you can start yep. wailing down punches on women. Right. And it's, you know, it, it's interesting. I don't know how far we want to get into this because I, again, it's something that I've just been thinking about, but I figured, we could at least talk about it. No, absolutely. I completely agree with you. And it's something that has become much more, I think, present, you know, as I, as I, as I've looked at things and and kind of discovered things over the last few years for myself and, and like anything else, you, you, you need to be cautious where you get your sources from, but it doesn't take much to look at the world outside mm-hmm. and around you and that there's not a blatant attack on a masculinity, mm-hmm. you know, like 1939 to 1944, 18 year olds were going overseas without a lick of experience to defend our rights and our freedoms. Mm-hmm. Right. They were, dying on beaches and dying in foreign countries and writing home to the loved ones and their mothers and taking up arms against, you know, evil. And they willingly shouldered that responsibility. Exactly. Right. Like no questions asked. Right. Which you You couldn't, you couldn't find nowadays. I don't think. Absolutely. No, absolutely. And these days, I mean, if there's not an app for it on their phone, an 18 year old male can't figure out how to live life. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can Uber McDonald's fast food to the front door mm-hmm. and this is acceptable and this is deemed acceptable. It's promoted, you know, it's, 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 it's a sign of the times and it's two completely different lifestyles of what once was and what now is, you yeah. know, and like the way that I, the way that I relate, it's like, I, I just tend to relate a lot of things to work, um, just the way my, my brain works. But like, I remember even when I was starting in the apprenticeships, like there were a lot of young apprentices and all of us were not all of us, but a lot of us were pretty hungry to learn. And, and, you know, uh, if our, journeyman, if our journeyman told us to do something, we just did it right. Like it wasn't a case of, you know, oh, that's dirty or, oh, that's hard. It's like, no, I'm the first year. I'm the apprentice. This is my job. I'm going to shoulder it. I'm going to do it so I can learn. And nowadays, I mean, I, you know, I've been in the trades now. I got to really early start again, like I alluded to because of my dad, but I've been in the trades for 17 and a half years now. So I've seen, you know, um, essentially one generation roll over into, into the workforce, right. And almost one generation, but you know, the, the apprentices, nowadays and i'm not talking about anybody on my new site actually because this this crew that i'm working with now i'm I, i'm so impressed like i've got 23 year old apprentices 18 year old apprentices like young guys right and they're hungry 
like yeah and and that's so good to oh see. it's it's refreshing like i get along so well with them but we've had apprentices you know before and maybe this was also the area that we were in you know because again alberta is more blue collar i think there's more of um a sense of you know ownership shouldering responsibility and almost a sense of self-pride in your work i find that that's a lot more prevalent here than it was in bc yep. But anyway, uh, but back there, I mean, you know, we'd have apprentices that we'd turn over in a week because they just don't work out. They, they don't want to do anything, right? Like it's, it's kind of like what you talked about, just that laziness, that complacency. It's like, ah, uh, you know, well, I could, I could go out and, you know, work for a living or I could sit home and collect syrup, you know, yeah. and there's, there's such this, there's a different, there was a different level of pride in ownership and of accomplishment that I think is vanishing. And I, I think that's a part of the attack on masculine. I don't think that's just on, you know, men in general, but I think that's part of the attack. And then, you know, also just the idea that, you know, a traditional father role of being, or, or a husband's role of being protective and being a provider is somehow viewed as misogyny, which to me, I mean, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like, and you know, my wife and I have talked about this too. Like I am the sole provider for the family, but that's because we prioritize having her caring for the, the kids. We just didn't, you know, that that's what we wanted to build our family. Like, and again, it's, it's sacrifice. Like I'm out here for 21 straight days because we're trying to, you know, I don't want her to have to work. So it means me yep. shouldering a heavier load when it comes to finances and yeah but i i can accept that and she can accept that and the only way it works is because she is again like one of the strong the strongest woman i've ever met right yeah th this wouldn't work with any other way but um but yeah the, the idea that somehow that dynamic is misogynistic is it's despicable to me like i it it does not make any sense ask my wife the last time she's ever opened the car door for herself when we go out yeah right I yeah. opened it every time I open it whenever I can for my daughters. Mm -hmm. When we go for a walk down the street, who takes the street side when we're walking? It's me. Yes. Right. And I'm always on that side, <laughs> you know, and it's, 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 it's that, it's that role that comes with protector. And yes. I take that role very, very seriously. It's not because I'm bigger or tougher or stronger. It's no. because it's the right thing to do. It's because I take on, I want to stand between those that I love and that I care about and harm's way. Yeah. potential harm's way right suit situational awareness eyes you know you know eyes looking around just reading the room reading what's going on uh, on out there it's it's not being overprotective it's just caring about those that you care about and yeah. it's, it's it's genuine love that yeah. i have for them you know yeah it's I, not I, it's I, not an overbearing oppression it's it's no. love like it's a general it's a genuine love and that's that's yeah. what I don't think a lot of people seem to understand, or maybe they do. And it's just a purposefully skewing it. Right. But, but yeah, you're, you're hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Like so many things so easily get turned to misogynistic because we choose to live the lifestyle that we do. Mm -hmm. There's nothing wrong with that. It's a choice. Like to each their own exactly. you do life. You do life the way you see fit. But just because we differ about something doesn't make you any more right or wrong than I am. No. You know, in your eyes, you see something. I don't agree with it. I don't have to agree with it, right? Mm -hmm. All are welcome, but I don't have to sit there and fly whatever flag it is that everybody's, you know, getting behind for the for the time being. Mm -hmm. That's 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 not how I roll, you know. I have my life paid out for me. Be good, be good to everybody, help those in need, and you know, live a good, hard, honest life. What's what's wrong with that? You know? Yeah. Some, but, somehow that's somehow you're greedy and you're self-centered. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm greedy. I'm self-centered and I don't have my finger on the pulse. Well, that's, that's not the case at all. No, you know, I, I, I have an expectation, you know, in the back of my mind, you know what, if I could lay out my daughter's lives for them, of course I would, but yeah. that's not the way the real world works. Mm -hmm. All I can do is set an example for them. Right. Yeah. And that, and that's, that's what I have. That's the best that I can do and coach them and, and, you know, um, and console them along the way and just hope that they see the example that we set for them and they make good choices in return as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you're bang on it. I think that's uh I think that's kind of a dad's instinct too, is you'd like to be able to plan everything out. You just want to know everything is going to be okay, but Again, that there's that time where they got to fly the nest. 
understand. Yeah, (laughs) that's absolutely right. You know, that day will come, but yeah, I don't understand sometimes. It's just a lot of moments wasted just kind of sitting around going, why does the world spin the way that it does? Oh yeah. I, no. Same thing. And that's, that's, that's a lot of the, why I like to actually have like, again, I haven't done a conversational podcast in a long time because I just, I've been too busy with the move, but it's so nice and refreshing to talk to you just to, just to bounce ideas. Right. Cause I mean, even though, you know, we, we have a lot of the same ideas evidently like more than I think we, we even realized beforehand, but it's uh it's interesting to just bounce ideas around and talk about them because I think, uh, I think it's important. I think, uh, yeah, discussion and communication is, is pretty key to life. No, absolutely, brother. Yeah. I absolutely agree with you. Awesome. Well, I, I won't keep you any longer tonight. I, I, I've kept you for an hour and I'm very thankful of your time. But oh, um, it was a pleasure. We, we absolutely have to do this again. And, you know, I know that you're working on a few projects. So if you ever want to come on to promote or whatever it is, uh, yeah, I just, will. Just hit me up because I, I really enjoyed this. And I think we could, we could have a lot more conversations on a lot of different topics too. But I think this was a, a perfect perfectly timed one for father's day no absolutely like you said yeah we went on the road of fathers and we obviously got on some other tangents and i can't promise that that's not what's going to happen when we talk again (laughs) you know and i like that and uh i've been looking forward to this for a long 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 time man it's been an absolute pleasure i love talking to you and i really hope we get to do this again and again and again we absolutely will all right well i'll uh i'll end the recording here hold on the line and uh Yeah. Thanks again. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, brother. All right, everyone. That's it for today. I hope you found some value in this week's episode. If you did and are interested in more content like this, please rate, review, subscribe, and recommend the podcast to a friend. I really appreciate all the feedback you've given me to this point and look forward to hearing you again. As always, the podcast page is The Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Facebook, at Jacket Plaid on Twitter, and at Plaid Jacket Philosopher on Instagram. That concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for the continued support and especially to those of you who reach out weekly with comments on each episode. Have a great week and I'll talk to you all again soon.